Welcome back to To The Table. I'm Alexis Soto, and I am joined by the creator of this wonderful program, Mr. Peter Martinez. Hi! We've returned with another month-long programming here, which is different than what we had previously promised, and we want to take this time to obviously apologize for the time off. And for not fulfilling the original promises. It's not our fault the apocalypse happened. Well, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) we were not exactly completely under the bunker like Joe Biden here. We were recording a lot of podcasts, whether it would be Fantasy Fair or Red Spotlight, or even Bond and Beyond got some episodes, if I'm not mistaken, although I haven't heard a single one yet. So, Uh, how are those going? Um, They were going well, but then Pizza Mageddon happened. And I have not heard from Kyle in weeks. <laughs> so we were really invested after Political Dystopia Month, which I have to say, I'm really proud of that. I mm-hmm. I think that was, to me, the way that we're going to continue doing this show is having themed months like that. I like that idea a lot, and I think it worked out really well. Yeah. For political dystopia month. How do you think it worked out for you? Uh, and again, I'm only speaking for the shows that I was on. I haven't necessarily heard Kyle's mm-hmm. shows, but how do you think those shows went to you? Um, I like them uh, because the back way way back um, when I'm like, okay, let's let's do Bond and Beyond some more, and I tried to come up with movies, and I was just like, ah, I don't know. Like, I, I know they haven't seen this. I don't haven't seen that. And I have a general idea of the movies that I. I I think they would like, and I would like them to see because I think they would get a lot. And to be out clear here, Peter is a uh, cinematic thesaurus um, and dictionary. It seems like so he knows just about every single film, and Kyle and I are, don't even have a tenth of the knowledge that he has in film. So that's why it, 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 the original concept of the show obviously was to have an exchange of films that the other hadn't previously seen. Mm-hmm. Although it ended up being that our IQ levels are like down in the single digits and, and Peter's in the stratosphere with like <laughs> not the thousands. No, but it's it's the closest thing I can compare mm-hmm. it to. I'm not saying that you're smart. I'm just saying that yeah. your knowledge of film in general is far more immense. I, the catalog of movies that you know are, are just much more vast than mere Kyle's, it seems. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I um, I watched a lot of movies. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, when I, well, when I first started doing this, I just wanted to talk about anything other than fucking Disney and Star Wars and, you know, all that shraz. So of course we ended up today talk about a, a science fiction, uh, Disney. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't my choice. I know it was my choice. Um, but no, I, I, I agree. I think the themed months are awesome. I think it turned out really cool. The political dystopia month. Um, the other themed months that I had talked about earlier, we're still gonna do them. Um, rename them, obviously. <laughs> but um, I think one was like melancholy, which is like sort of saddish films. And then the other one was um, feel good. That was supposed to be feel good. It was February. feel good, for, and I would assume there was a, uh, an emphasis on romance for February, correct? Um, no, not romance. Just feel good. Okay, but I think I there obviously there's going to be romance in them, right? I would I would be much more receptive to bringing those. I need I need to pick me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you After know, Tron, considering I think the time that we're, we're gonna in, we're gonna jump into the feel yeah. good. Um, yeah, since this is the first to the table since coronavirus is a thing, so which coronavirus? Oh, speaking of like, mm-hmm. I think 
weirdly enough, the first episode of the year was V for Vendetta, which has kind of become <laughs> real life. <laughs> it's Don't become real life. <laughs> no. I feel like the universe is just playing a joke, un- un- unless you, you suspected this is where life was going to be um, well, in the turn of the year. All I'm saying is, remember, when the COVID shit first started, I was real fucking yes. paranoid about it. Yes, you were. And I was like, I don't know why. This one just hits different to me. And uh, I don't know. I guess I was right with that. But the the universe sent me a message somehow that this is fucking different here. Um, and it turned out to be different. Um, yeah. The reason... I, how did... Huh. How did? Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry go ahead. You say, I just you wanted say. to ask... I, I wanted to have a follow-up with... How uh, do you think Kyle liked it? How were his shows? From the dystopia? Political though? dystopia. Yes. I think he liked it because um, the ones I showed him, again, I like to tailor the films and it's difficult because you and Kyle sometimes have, um, uh, <laughs> this isn't going to be negative, I swear. Um, okay. <laughs> cr- your tastes cross paths, so to speak. They can. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But not necessarily always. In yeah, fact, sometimes they can be polar opposites. Yeah, I agree. So, like, there's some films where I'm like, maybe Alexis will like this, but I know for sure Kyle will like it. Or And then I'll go, like, maybe Kyle will like this, but I know for sure Alexis would like this. And, and I'll, yeah. like, do that. Um, but there has been times where Kyle's like, oh, you gave Alexis that film? I wanted to do that film. And I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, I don't know. Um, and and the, but I also know you really wanted to do it too, so it's like okay, they they cross paths, and it's difficult to choose like okay, which movie goes to which person. But I think for political dystopia month, I did I did a pretty good job because I gave him. Oh, um, yeah. Well, I think some of the ones I gave you, he's already seen. Like I'm pretty sure he's seen V for Vendetta. Um, but I gave I gave him Dread and Equilibrium. Um, which I really love, and I and I think, well, yeah, he did end up really loving them too, because I know they 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 hit that really awesome action sweet spot plus, um, fucked up dystopia, that uh, is great for all science fiction, action films. So yeah, I I think I think that whole situation went well, um, and I'm looking good to feel good February. Because there are actually some really good films mm-hmm. that I really want to talk about. I think it was you I gave like um, Secondhand Lion. Um, there's yeah, I really like that one. And then I don't know. I don't know. Go ahead, Peter. I, I apologize if I interrupt you. It's just that we're having a either a small delay or I can't contain my voice. But continue with what your thought is. Um, did you? See the majestic because I know the majestic was another one I gave you. I didn't see a single film okay. from okay. February or March. All right. I and it's it's not because I I went out of my way to not see them as as how life happens. Um, February in general, of course, it was entirely news and news and news. And then after that happened, um, I've kind of found my own programming and then have kind of stuck to that. You know, you've been so, watching Spielberg for months. I have and um. <laughs> I'm planning on doing something with that on Red Spotlight, um, similarly to the vein of the Scorsese files, the Spielberg. But files. I don't know, I don't know when we want to do that exactly, because I'm just about to wrap it up, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know if I want to like 
do that soon or if I want to wait until like November when that was the time that, uh, well, that could work because the Scorsese files were originally designed to lead up to the Irishman. And so I guess we could use this to lead up to West Side Story if, in fact, it still comes out in December. Yeah. So. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think the best time to do those is in the lead up to like. A new movie. A new movie. When when it's like yeah. director specific, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I'm watching a lot of spiel, a lot of either. Oh God, there's so much. I um, I think the beginning of this, of this pandemic, I uh, I did a quick uh, favorites of the MCU, then Star Wars, then the Clone Wars, and then Spielberg, Spielberg, Spielberg. Um. What other any other kind of things that I felt like I wanted to rewatch, whether it be Arrival or, um, what have you, and and then it, it went from Clone Wars to Agents of Shield to Doctor Who, so it's like a lot of stuff that I like. It, it's weird because like a lot of practically my three favorite shows were kind of airing at the, like one after the other. So it was Doctor Who. Then the Clone Wars, now Shield. So like it's kind of been like a, a consecutive streak of weeks where I've had these like big TV shows that I've been following, and then of course we threw in the Last Airbender in there, which we're currently recapping on Red Spotlight. So, which is also one of my personal favorites of all time. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but I will watch them obviously for To the Table. <laughs> it's just, um, I think the trickiest thing is you know finding out a schedule for like uh with all of the other shows that we do um i will say it wasn't my idea to do four shows um so i can do the best (laughs) that i can i can do the best that i can with what i'm given with but um uh the fact remains even though it wasn't by design red spotlight is now putting out like three to four episodes a week yeah which is crazy insane mm-hmm. i don't it, and that wasn't something that was decided it just kind of came together because peter had an idea alexis had an idea david had an idea well alexis had several ideas peter you had several ideas you had the the impressions list that we're doing with the uh movies that had a big impact in our childhood um there was well we did the top 10 of the year mm-hmm. and then the top 10 of the decade shows which i really really was um pleased with so yeah, and then Kyle just uh, the other week suggested something else, another series of shows, which is completely unlike anything we've ever even touched um, inside, of course, the Red Spotlight feed, not a what fifth show. What did he suggest? Music, which oh. is, you know, a foreign <laughs> entity for you. I like um, music. A, you weren't even thought of, so. I know. Don't even. I know. You weren't even thought of. You weren't even I know. invited to be on the show because why would we? I know. You know, know. you're a music hater, so. I I love music, but this is the way I'm treated. (laughs) Anyway, we're here, um, and we have a new month. And what is that month, Peter? Tron month. Tron. Uh, the, The reason I decided to do Tron is because, one, um, it could be three episodes, so it won't be, like, four so it's one less because um, we're all kind of busy right now, especially recording a lot of shit, as um, Mr. Soto said, um, especially things that I'm not invited to. So I, I wanted to be considerate of other individuals' times. And then also I find 
Tron as a franchise, infinitely fascinating. Um, it's it's such a weird franchise, and I feel like it's always on the verge of success, and then just plummets. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's a world that I genuinely really really like. But again, it, it just feels like it's constantly scratching the surface, so to speak. And it's it it's just sort of weird and different in a way that not other many other franchises are. And then of course a lot of people just haven't delved into that world. Um and I know that because there's a reason why it hasn't taken off like it like uh Disney has tried to. So yeah, I, I thought it would lead to some interesting discussions. And I was interested to see how uh, Mr. Sarova here, um, what he his thoughts are. So, yeah, that's why I decided to um, push back some other stuff and do the Tron month for whatever month we are currently in. In whatever year. I don't know. I've lost track of time. So, yeah. The timing is interesting. Why now? Why now? Um, yeah. Because like so many things right now, <laughs> why not? <laughs> <laughs> you got time. You got time. I don't know. Just why not? <laughs> That's, yeah. While Peter pulls up the uh, premise of this movie on Letterboxd, you know, to continue that thing going on, and to give a little bit of context as my background for this, there is no background. Peter? <laughs> there is no background. I've, I've never, I've mm -hmm. never, I think Tron is, is not even one of the things I've even come across. It's only been a name that I'm only familiar with because of theme park yeah. worlds and feeds. That's all that I'm even aware of. Because it of. comes I, up I mean, in name, when you're reading articles about Disneyland yeah. Shanghai in or name some only. shit. I, I was aware that there was a film that came out in the last decade and then a much older film. And that was that. Um, it, like so many other things, I don't give it the time of day. So it, it's not something that I went out of my way to go see um, at all. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've got nothing. Um, <laughs> as far as a background with Tron, what's your background, Mr. Martinez? Um, Which you'll get into after, of course, you deliver the premise. Oh, let me deliver the premise. Um, Tron... The original film, uh, directed in 1982 by Steven Lisberger. A world inside the computer where man has never been until now. As Kevin Flynn searches for proof that he invented a hit video game, he is digit digitalized by a laser and finds himself inside the grid. Where, where programs suffer under, under the tyrannical rule of the master control program MCP. With the help of a security program called Tron, Flynn seeks to free the grid of the MCP. Um, yeah, that is the 1982 film Tron. My background of Tron is I saw the 2010 film. Then I saw the original film, the 1982 film. And then I saw the television series. And it's a wild ride, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Just sort of. 
um, going in and out. But there is, there's just something to Tron that I am very drawn to, that I like, that I find interesting. And I, and I feel, like I said before, it feels like they're always on the cusp of like finding, it's like a, a really delicious dish that it just feels like they keep getting the recipe wrong. And it's and it's um, just and I just feel like if they just do this or that and this and that, well, they did this right, but then they pulled back on this with it, and it's just like if they can just get the ingredients right, like mwah, perfect. But I will say the reason why I wanted to do this in order, which is go from the 1982 to then Tron Legacy and then television series, is I do feel, and this is also the frustrating part, that they get better with each, um iteration attempt attempt. um yeah so that's what i find so interesting and then of course the night the 1982 film was such a cult classic um for a lot of different interesting reasons that we'll 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 sure to get into Um, a lot of interesting reasons not the witch i mean it, it was um a lot of cult classics have the um there's a presumed um, bias against cult classics as if they weren't successful. The original Tron, from what I've read, was a moderate box office success. Um, perhaps uh, the biggest difficulty was, and recall that the 1980s, much different time than right now, movies stayed in theaters and played in theaters for a much longer period of time than they do right now, or when they did when, when we had movies. Mm-hmm. I should remind myself of that since we don't have movies right now. But um, it came out a month after E.T. Yeah. Which, that doesn't bode well for a lot of movies that come a month after. Like, remember um, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Notorious, being stomped all over by Titanic because it was, you know, I think it came out yeah, a month after Titanic um, in 95. And it, well, because back then, you got to remember, um, no streaming no real home video was very limited home video was extremely limited um if you wanted to see anything you went to the movies um there was television but television was very different from film at that time um so if you want to see a movie you went to the movie and also there was far less movies being made so like yeah a film was made if you wanted to see it and then like you'd watch it then like a month later like hey you guys go want to go check out such and such again like yeah let's go um <laughs> it's that kind of thing um yeah and i think it also came out around the same time as blade runner same year i feel yeah and also the i believe that too was the same well, it shares a lot of things with Blade Runner. The the orchestrator, the composer for the music of this movie, I think it's the same one that did Blade Runner. Um, the orchestrator, which um, I actually do have that written down here. Uh, Wendy Carlos. Mm-hmm. She was a composer. She, she I don't know about Blade Runner, but I know for sure she worked on The Shining and A Clockwork Orange. Excuse me. I want to correct myself. Uh I meant to say The Shining. It was one of those two. It was The Shining that I feel so stupid because I was just like reading a, a research on this mm-hmm. and it was The Shining, not Blade Runner. Yeah. Apologies to that. 
um, she was a pioneer in her time. And I think she was um, uh, one of the first, I don't know what it's called. Again, I don't know music, guys. Uh, synth digital music, mm-hmm. but like to really incorporate mm-hmm. that into her scores. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so for her to work on this film, uh, pretty uh, poetic, so to speak. For because it's about the first real film about like the computer, so to speak, like the world yeah. inside your computer. Um, uh, I have some like interesting facts here, but um, let's. I just do you want to do you want to lead with that, or do you want to just go off with our thoughts? Well, let me let me lead with that a little bit. Um. Because context is always good, yeah. I I feel, and it helps to know more about what it meant, why is it remembered, what it did in its mm-hmm. time, and then we can get into the film itself. Uh, it was written, developed by first-time director and animator Steven Lisberg, Lisberger. So he was an animator, and Tron was his first film. Um, it was developed starting in 1976 after his fascination with Pong when Pong first came out and he's like, Oh fuck computers. And of course, imagination went wild and it was originally meant to be an animated film. But then they started, you know, fucking around with like the inclusion of live action. And, um, so then that, that's ultimately what it became. Um, this is a, a funny, um, uh, when this is one of the biggest fun facts about this film, was that it didn't qualify for visual effects at the Oscars because computer animation... I was going to bring that up. I was going to bring that shit up. <laughs> Go ahead, con- finish that It was considered <laughs> cheating at the time. Stop. You need to stop right there. <laughs> I, I feel to me this is like eternal validation that the Academy has always been full of shit. Um... <laughs> It was they they considered it. Oh, you're cheating because you're using a computer to to create visual effects. Pfft. Who the fuck are you? That's such <laughs> an unbelievable foreign idea, though. Like at that time, the, but like, no, like right now, like the idea that like computer visual effects aren't special effects is just runs completely against anything a modern day individual would think of when they think of special effects like mm-hmm. they immediately think to like cgi and you know explosions and, and and digital magic and stuff like that um i i think the same shit's gonna happen 30 years from now when they're like oh the film didn't qualify because um it premiered on a streaming service and it didn't show in la for two fucking weeks as if anyone gives a fuck like i guarantee you years <laughs> no from shade now, thrown there <laughs> yeah the, God, dumb motherfuckers like i guarantee you years from now people are gonna be like wait what like <laughs> that's so stupid <laughs> And it runs contrary to like the way we see film, because I guarantee you, film premiering, uh, streaming is just going to be so fucking normalized. It basically almost is here now. So, just imagine in thirty years, like I don't know. That's just so fucking funny to me. It just reminds you how old the Oscars really are. I mean, uh, because of the because Gone with the Wind is trending, literally in all corners of the internet this week. 
much is made about how um, one of the uh, African-American actors that won one of the first African-Americans to win an Oscar, she was forced to sit in the back of the room Mm -hmm. of the hotel uh, place that they were having the award ceremony and she couldn't sit with the rest of her cast because the hotel was, you know, segregated. segregated. Yeah. So the, it doesn't matter what time period the Oscars is always behind the times, which is just crazy always. to me for a medium that like prides itself in trying to be like on the cutting so To be edge. fair though, I think uh, in that instance that I just brought up, they did at least they got her in the room because they were having a squabble over that. Yeah, yeah. That's something. Uh, So yeah, the Academy, yeah, that was hilarious. Continue. (laughs) I love that shit. I mean, that's basically all I have unless you have other stuff. I got some stuff Mm -hmm. here that might be beneficial with, um, let's see here, just to get a little bit of uh, an idea of what it was, uh, how it was received at the time. I have here um, a quick excerpt from Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times. I've heard of that guy. Gave the film, yeah, gave the film four out of four stars and described it as, quote, a dazzling movie from Disney in which computers have been used to make themselves romantic and glamorous. Here's a technological sound and light show that is sensational and brainy, stylish and fun. However, in the... Quote, near the end of his review, he noted um, in a positive tone, quote, this is an almost wholly technological movie. Although it's populated by actors who are engaging or sinister, it's not really a movie about human nature, like Star Wars or The Empire Strikes Back, but not much more so. This movie is a machine to dazzle and delight us. Um, End quote. And then it says here that Ebert included this in his overlooked film festival contrary to that there is uh, a review here by variety which was a negative review (laughs) quote tron is loaded with visual delights but falls way short of the mark in story and viewer involvement screenwriter director steven lisberger has adequately marshaled a huge force of technicians to deliver the dazzle but even kids and especially computer game geeks will have a difficult time getting hooked on the situations, unquote. Those are two differing reviews. Um, And then as far as uh, the cultural effect, uh, the impact of this movie, of course, it's all about the visual effects and uh, how they built up this thing. And I, I read somewhere that, here it is right here, the film considered groundbreaking has inspired several individuals in numerous ways. John Lasseter, head of Disney at that point, uh, Disney and Pixar's <laughs> animation group, described how the you need to update this page. Yeah, um, <laughs> described how the film helped him see the potential of computer-generated imagery in the production of animated films. Stating, "This is John Lasseter, quote unquote, without Tron, there would be no Toy Story." Mm-hmm. So yeah, Tron was, and really the American the first Film one. Institute. The American Film Institute in 2008 nominated this film for its top 10 science fiction films list. So that's where we are. Yeah. It's um, it's definitely a hallmark um, visually. Um, so, yeah. What, what did you think of the film? I, I liked it overall. Mm-hmm. It's, it, was, it was weird. Um, yeah. It, 
<laughs> and I, I got that a lot from reading reviews and, and, and seeing people's reactions, even those who like it. It was... I can't really say that it wasn't what I was expecting because I didn't really know what to expect. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was expecting something that would be like visually dazzling and a world building kind of thing. And and, and that's there. Um, I think what worked the best was that, was seeing mm -hmm. the computer world. Um, and it's it's just so weird because like I, 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 I'm two ways about it. I appreciate how much painstaking hard work it must have taken to make it look as good as they could have at that time and how it is. Mm -hmm. And in its own right, while visual effects have basically left that film in the dust, um, it holds up in its own way. It holds up in something that is unique mm -hmm. into and of itself. It uses this thing called backlit or backlight animation. Um, it is a... I wasn't expecting it to be animated per se. Well, I mean, and it wasn't. Um, but one of the things that, that sticks out to you is that it is a combination of um, animation and live action elements. When you have the actual actors like Jeff Bridges who get sucked into this world... Um, and they continue to be the actors and, you know, as the characters and everything. Um, <sighs> I was captivated. I'm not going to lie. I, mean, I wasn't bored. I was captivated and I was trying to figure out, I think the first five minutes I was like, okay, what's going on here? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. uh, and then I think it took me like maybe around 15 or so minutes to kind of get like a, a vibe for where this movie was going to be. Cause it, 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 you're not really sure how to feel about it in the very beginning. Okay. Where is this going to go? How, what is this? And, you know, it's funny cause I've heard a lot of people talk about the convoluted nature of the plot and maybe in terms of how they approach it in the screenplay. It can make you feel that way. And I was also asking myself, okay, what's this and what's that? What's the user? What, what are all these technical game terms, I guess, or or these computer terms? But at the end of the day, it is a basic um, MacGuffin thing, right? Or something of the sort where it's like, um, it's a story of an uprising of some. So you have to get this disc here, get that information there, deliver it to the thing, and do the thing. And then um, the society is fixed and we've overthrown the empire and... A lot of the action accompanying with some interesting moments from the score felt very much inspired by a certain um, space opera <laughs> that was happening around the, around the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was some musical cues and some like action moments that felt very, very, mm -hmm. very Star Wars. Um, and, you know, the performances are good. Um, I would say on the whole, though, and I can't really wrap my mind yet if it's critical mm -hmm. because I'm not sure this movie needed deeply layered characters. Um, they're very much one dimensional or, or one note. But again, not everything has to have, mm -hmm. you know, characters that are more than that. Like one of my favorite films of all time is Independence Day. And they're basically just personalities. They're not really characters. So it's like, you know... It, I, 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 yes, it's true that the characters are, I guess you could say underwritten, but I don't know yet if that's a bad thing. At least that's not what I would consider a bad mm -hmm. thing. Um, 
a lot of the times I found myself just um I'm not I don't know if puzzled or just like huh intrigued at uh, at the the visual direction of it the the design of a lot of these mm-hmm. things. One of the weirdest things was the guardian character being encased in some kind of a throne but he's leaning forward and it was like that yeah. is that's unique. A lot of this is unique. And um I don't know if the solar sailor that was used in in um if in Star Wars was inspired by this solar sailor that they use here mm-hmm. um in Tron. Some issues that I've read were that the movie is called Tron, <laughs> which it's but not Tron, really about Tron. <laughs> no, it it's it so it it's I think it is weird. But at the same time, it is fun, and it does have those. Um, I don't know if it's appropriate to call it campy. Oh, it's very appropriate <laughs> because I, because I, I feel like people use that to like dismiss it. Mm-hmm. I don't use the word campy to dismiss anything. I feel in in many many properties, campy is appropriate for what the the identity of what this is. Um. Um. Yeah, yeah. I. This is what I would say about Tron 1982. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Is my reaction surprise or what you expected? It's about what I expected. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, but I might surprise you and say, I don't think Tron's a good film. <laughs> Did I say it was a good film? No, here? no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. It's an in- it's definitely an interesting <laughs> film. It, it's fascinating to me. Um, it is one of those things where it's like, and, and you hit the nail on the head. Like, uh, w- one of the issues for me with the film is it doesn't explain anything. <laughs> like it it starts, and you're like yeah. immediately thrown into like. Mm-hmm the 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 digital world and then back out of it into the real world and then back into the digital world but it never explains like oh this is the grid this is the world of the grid these are programs you know uh this is what's going on inside of your computer there's none of that really it kind of happens like along the way yeah you may get indications of oh this is what this Mm -hmm. means but that's as far as it mm-hmm. goes. I will say though, it 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 does give off very um, Wreck It Ralph vibes, or I guess Wreck It Ralph gives off Tron vibes, because like one of the first scenes might have been the first scene is um, Flynn playing um the the light cycle game, the like mm-hmm. the the video game, and then it goes into the yeah. video game, and it's the actual people like riding the motorcycles and stuff inside the digitized world. And I don't know. It it, it was very, cause especially it's in an arcade, like it's very, uh, Wreck-It Ralph in that kind of way. Um, but it's, it's, there's so many interesting things within this film. Like, um, uh, what's his name? The main actor, uh, Jeff, Jeff Bridges. Bridges plays <laughs> Kevin Flynn. Mm-hmm. And he's not Father Flynn, Kevin Flynn, Father Kevin, Flynn, Kevin. Um, he's he seriously got a question about that when Bad Times came out. Really, Jeff Bridges was asked. He was asked uh, by some reporter, 
So did Drew Goddard name your character Father Flynn because you played Flynn in a you played a Flynn in the Tron movies and Jeff was like, huh? I don't know. <laughs> did you he not Jeff think Bridges about that? <laughs> no. <laughs> Jeff Bridges is a national treasure. Um, I love him, but he's the main character. But Tron, the the film is called Tron. But Tron's yeah. just kind of like <laughs> a secondary character. He's just kind of mm-hmm. there in the background. He's technically the hero, quote unquote, right. but not really. And Tron, like, they establish, like, yeah, so here's the thing. There are no characters in this film. There are no, like, <laughs> arcs. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Though? Um. This is not to derail mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. because, but I, I, the me bringing up this question is going to derail it. Yeah, so I know. Here we go. You're good at this. <laughs> I know, but I, I feel like we say that a lot, especially in recent podcasts, mm-hmm. when we say that. Well, this person's not really a character. For example, you recently said like, "Well, Fire Lord Ozai isn't really a character," or Palpatine isn't really a character. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean, yeah. But I feel like I feel people who maybe don't know what you mean might be a little bit confused about mm-hmm. that because, like, they might they might be of the mind of like, wait, what do you mean he's not a character? If he, he's a person of interest in the movie, he's or in the series, is a character. you know what? That's true because I see a lot of people go like they'll say like my favorite character is so and so, and they're like they have salacious crumb. Yeah, and they have like three seconds of screen time. Boba Fett, yes. And like yes. they don't, they say like five words. And, you know, to me, a character is like, how do you explain this? A dynamic individual that has um, a variety of emotions and. Uh, how, how do you put this a variety of emotions and uh, goals and ultimately will change over time most let's use um something more concrete so mm-hmm. one of your favorites and we're, we're going to bring up star wars anyway yeah. let's look at the last jedi and how ryan johnson approaches mm-hmm. this. W- what are the main presence or the main people in the last jedi that you consider to be full-fledged characters by your definition? sure so uh... Since you brought up The Last Jedi, I'll use someone who I consider to be a character and someone who I consider not really to be a character. Um, Luke Skywalker, I think, is obviously a character. He has a variety of emotions and beliefs and goals. Um, He has an arc throughout the film in which he um, changes from he becomes a different person at the beginning from at the end of the film from what he was at the beginning he goes through a journey of self-discovery uh i don't know self-discovery yeah maybe um he's dynamic so to speak um and a non-character would be something like um captain phasma um she she's She's a quote unquote character in that she is an individual within the film, but 
she um she has several lines you don't she doesn't change at all over time she she she's only there to serve the other characters specifically the actual character arc and growth of an actual character like Finn um mm-hmm. yeah if that makes sense yeah, which is if if and also for you know long time listeners, which is why uh, you know the rest of us had a conniption fit when uh, Chris Tyria was talking about Star Wars being a story of Palpatines and Skywalkers, because that seemingly flies in the face of what you just mm-hmm. said, Peter. Pal- Palpatine was never his own character; he literally existed to serve the character of Luke and Vader in Return mm-hmm. of the Jedi. But as far right. as like the reason why we never got his backstory is because he doesn't matter who he is and what he does. It's just more of him being this pool of darkness on these two other characters. Um, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, do, you, do you think that adequately <laughs> explains it? I feel that 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 would give people much more context about what mm-hmm. you mean because, uh, yeah, I, I have a little bit of an OCD reaction when you just say it's a, not a character because I'm only just imagining. Okay, wait, all these people are going to be like, "What do you mean he's not a character?" <laughs> but you are right, and in particular with with properties like Star Wars, there a lot of people do bring up. Well, my favorite character is one guy that was there for a second, or you know, and that's and I mean, okay. t- in fairness to them, maybe he got a. a, a 50 page comic book that completely <laughs> fleshed out this individual but like within the film um yeah yeah Admar Akbar so, is yeah. just a meme people within the film yeah <laughs> he's not a character I, yeah um so you were saying about Tron not having really any characters no well uh, the closest, I guess, is Jeff Bridges' character, Flynn, Kevin Flynn, because right. he has a goal, he has something he wants, um, but then he just kind of gets it, and then that's it, um, because... So there's no arc. Yeah. Clearly, there's no arc for him. Not to say that you can't be a character without an arc, per se, but it does deny you some sense of, you know, uh, range, mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of quote-unquote characters... Are are only really singularly fueled by the actor that they cast and the personality that they bring to the yeah. role. So Jeff Bridges, being a big personality, can give, definitely give like Flynn much more color. I guess he you was say. hired to be Jeff Bridges. <laughs> yes, um, uh, which I think is a little weird sometimes. At least when he goes into the Tron world. Because yeah. he's still just acting like, hey, hey, guys, like, like he's still. Po- I didn't think much of it. <laughs> I, I gotta say, I, I didn't think much of it because <sighs> that's Jeff Bridges, I guess. It's but it's weird. <laughs> it's 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 just. I think the the word we're looking for it's jarring mm. because like this guy is so laid back and he continues to be so like laid back and whatever about anything when he's transported into a computer world and he have all these things like there's like no reaction. Yeah. 
He's he just kind of goes. There's there. no shock, and then having to overcome that shock. It's just like, like, whoa, guys, what's going on here? Oh, I'm in a computer world. Yeah, okay. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the things where it's like you can tell this is kind of like a first time writer director. You can tell he yeah. really was into the world of Tron, but then it's like yeah. script. I have a story. Story. Well, that's is why script, I feel right? that you know. <laughs> Why Tron is most praised for its visual mm-hmm. effects, because you can tell that the workload and the priority with this project was entirely, if not singularly, devoted to that. Mm-hmm. Because in many ways, a visual effects heavy film lives and breathes, lives and dies on the quality of its effects. So that 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 concern is well warranted. But you and I have always said across any of the shows that we do, in particular when we're talking about films from Let's say a visionary like Christopher Nolan, mm. um, who can do, who's mainly known for high concept. And then there are other films, like, let's say blockbusters, who are on high visual effects. We love that stuff, but in any genre of movie, in any kind of movie, we personally feel that you're best served focusing on the script and the story. Mm. And I think it's fair to say that the devotion to the effects of Tron came at as at a consequence of the characters and the story overall mm-hmm. feeling like it's lacking. Yeah. And it, because like you have sort of this interesting thing where individuals that create programs um in in the the, the Tron world on users. the grid, users. Well, yeah, users that create programs. Those, there's, there's interesting stuff going on that's like, the so 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 ever so lightly touched on, which is like yeah. this sort of religious aspect, um, <laughs> like this yeah. idea of destiny and being made for certain things. Because you have users which are sort of seen as like gods to their mm-hmm. programs, and even it even goes so as far so far as like programs are are viewed as in the same likeness as their users. So like, um, we, this is also funny. Jeff Bridges, which is basically the main character, didn't even create Tron. Um, this other guy, that's like. Alan. Yeah, who's dating yeah. his ex girlfriend that they just come in. He's the one who created Tron. Um <laughs> so Tron looks like him. Um and like I guess Tron was was like this um computer program that was meant to fight back against uh the master computer program. And like mm-hmm. um, you know, he he fights for the users. Like that that's kind of the the tagline. Um yes. and he was created to do so. But there's this one moment where like um it's it's like the poster, you know, like where they lift up the disc, um and and like the lights hitting and he's talking to um what is his name? Alan. Mm-hmm. He's and he's talking to him, and and again, it's 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 viewed as it's it's painted in sort of like this religious experience, sort of. Um, and and right. there, there's even this moment where 
they figure out like um, Tron and and the other girl, which is the program in the likeness of his ex-girlfriend who's dating Alan. So in the world, those two are together in the world of of the grid. Um, And and he's just kind of like, oh, yeah, like uh, uh, what's his name? Kevin Flynn's just like, oh, yeah, like I'm just kind of winging it. And then he's like, "We'll program to wing it, but like you're a user, you shouldn't you shouldn't be winging it, because of course they're viewed as like higher beings." And then Kempflin's just like, "Yeah, sorry to tell you, like users ain't all that special." Uh, and it's hilarious <laughs> because that that really is what happens. Like he just wings it, and then he 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 does what he needs to do, and that's that's that. But then Tron's just kind of like, "Huh, weird." But there's no like, <laughs> there's no like, oh, like I'm worshiping users. Like there's nothing that, that like, it, it's in another film, you know, that, that would be handled. Like that would be a big thing, maybe even for Tron's right. character or maybe for Kevin Flynn's character. But like, no, they're all just kind of like, huh, cool. And then they just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> on whatever thing they're doing it's not that kind yeah, of movie but it's weird it's not that kind of <laughs> it's weird though it's what harrison ford said to, to mark hamill it's not that kind of movie <laughs> but here's the difference though here's the difference i think star wars handles that shit a lot better well, you know yeah. what i mean like so much better because uh, like star wars ain't fucking deep like uh, it, it's a it's it's a kid's film <clears throat> but it will touch on you know spirituality destiny um violence nonviolence, war like and it'll it'll dig into it enough where i'm like oh, okay like it, it wasn't just thrown out there and then like anyways let's go blow more shit up like it was actually touched on again why i really like the last jedi um whereas <laughs> with with tron at least this first one it's like they touch on it. They're like, huh, tubular, and then move on. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Um, but I guess what's frustrating, and again, this is where the frustration thing comes on. I think that's really the initial like concept idea. I think is really cool. You know, especially since in the plot, you do have the bad guys persecuting the programs for being religious fanatics, as they say, yes. even in, in and, the movie. And, and, the master computer program which is also a cool villain i think like yeah when it became a cult hit one of the big things that like you know how people like say like may the force be with you one of the one of the yes. big things was like end of line like, like people would always <laughs> really <laughs> end of line and and that shit uh comes back as sort of easter eggs in uh tron legacy um but yeah it is a cool voice like you will do what i tell you to do end of line <laughs> but um yeah like the master computer program like i remember um oh yeah the main villain on the outside who is like the head of encom which that's that's the company which is basically like um a combination of pixar and where it's like a video game. It's like this crazy, like Apple, if Apple owned, I don't know, a video game company and Pixar. It's like this big 
tech conglomerate. Um, right. And the CEO, his program serves the master computer in the grid, the digital digital world. And then I remember um, like that scene where the master computer program tells him like, oh, he's not a program. He's a user. Put him in the games. And then he gets all scared. It's like, but we were created, but we were written by the users. It's just what I say because it's like code. Um, but the master, master computer program's like, no one person has written me. I am a combination of many, you know, da 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 da. And again, this I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Like, you know, yeah. It, and again, there's it just touches so lightly on interesting things. Um, and then in combination with how cool the world is. And it's like, oh, wow, like, the potential, <laughs> you know? I, I'm, I'm like Snoke here, the potential of your bloodline. Um, but it's fucking real. Oh, God. It's, it, this shit's real. Because there's so much that's cool about it. Like, the idea that um, in this digital world, um, uh, their, their gladiator games are basically the arcade games that they play in the real world. Um, but these programs are being forced to play in them, and they're actually these big, scary, like, yeah, like I said, like gladiator type games. I like the idea of the identity disc um, that they have, and they and it's basically yeah. their main weapon. The identity disc is basically their lightsaber um, that you know, and it also provides them a, a unique way to like fight. Because they like right. throw them back and forth. But it's so funny. It, it, you'll notice this when you see Tron Legacy. But just like the difference in, I don't want to say cheapness, but like it's literally a fucking frisbee. <laughs> it is. I mean, and so much. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't expecting it to be considering the time. Yeah. I, I think I saw. I saw um, one of the videos that I was watching today. It was a retrospective on the movie, the 1982 film. Mm -hmm. And they showed a quick glance at the world and how it looks like in Legacy. And I'm like, well, that <laughs> that's completely different. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the same fucking design, but that actually looks... Um, so it's. I don't want to be... I guess... I'm trying to be fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because they didn't have much of anything to work with. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the times when you're you're watching, let's say, the light cycles or when they're um flying or when the solar sailor it becomes apparent you're looking at a I guess the closest thing I can compare with what those sequences look like are what modern day animatics look like. Oh yeah. Which is the stage before final animation. They know? look like animatics. And I don't like an intern cooked yeah, them up an hour before the meeting. They don't look complete. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think that's part of the charm of Tron. Yeah, I agree. And it's not fair it's not fair to judge it because mm -hmm. of it, but it it can be something that is, shall we say, glaring. I guess when I when I see Tron Legacy, I will. But I guess my thing is, that's kind of the reason why I like Tron Legacy. It's so 
familiar like they're like they they have recognizers like you know that the ship that they they're driving in um they're called yes. recognizer they have the the light cycle battles they have um disc battles you, you they have the grid like they have basically everything but it's just so different in its look and in its tone and i like that i like how goofy and of its time that's kind of what makes it so endearing to me the 1982 right. john the fact that it is a fucking frisbee the fact that it does look like animatics um yeah before a, a fucking um movie um it gives it such a unique um look to it and, and feel yes and and very of the time uh the the fact that um like you were talking about like they had that guy and like that big old like um fucking i don't know what he was and you know what i mean like the guy was put into like this big old ah oh, fuck the guy that they were gonna ask questions to the old guy oh the guardian yeah the mean. guardian i don't know his fucking name but y y you know like he was like in this big old looking thing yeah he wasn't yeah, and yeah, yeah. it's it's clearly like fucking cardboard and shit <laughs> <laughs> a lot mm. of it you can you can tell it's it's cardboard but you but know like what he's like, rotating for film back fans, and forth like it's right. so cool i like for it. film fans like you and i that that i, I guess I, I guess if perhaps we're, we're a general audience of the time which is 2020 and if we're looking back at this this is not going to be something that is like looked back on fondly um because of the inherent cheapness quality in comparison to what we have mm -hmm. today but because you and I have the context and because you and I just, you know, I hate to use this because I never really use this, but I guess you could say we think that shit's rad or something. It's I don't know. Like, it's too <laughs> it, It's, I don't know what to say. It, it's just, it is so unlike anything and we appreciate it for that. And um, not that, I mean... <sighs> It's difficult, like, it's not trying to be, like, overly forgiving, mm -hmm. but, you know, like, because we know we're, we're, we're familiar with the time and how limited mm -hmm. the technology was, we're more, much more understanding. I'll put it this way. It's the same thing when people talk about, like, um, objective film criticism, and they're like, <sighs> well, this is objectively bad because this, this, and this. Like, I think Tron is a good example of... um. Are is the visual effects objectively bad? Like, is that even a statement you can make? The fact that it looks like, like, like you said, like a freaking animatic before, just to show the director before they actually start, um, doing anything with the film. That's what makes me really like it and appreciate it. Mm -hmm. You know, if if they did a a Tron, uh specialized editions where they go back and like up up quote unquote upgrade the visual effects i'd probably fucking despise it like it would suck out all the soul of the film you know what i mean and it's that kind of it shit. would change the dna of yeah, the movie yeah 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 and, it, and it's along those those lines um and then yeah yeah and i love the just the cheesy dialogue um and again this was due to star wars they don't do this anymore they they have to over explain everything i love when they just say weird shit 
like you know greetings program i you know user when they use words like user and grid and all these different kinds of like uh computer lingo type shit like i don't know i think it's funny i really like it uh, did you see the the cameos in in within the film i'm going to say no cuz i don't know what okay. you're talking about what what cameos there's two um in the um in the war the bad guy not the master computer program but the his sort of like henchman when he's looking what's his name dridger dringer dridinger something like that i mean dryder i don't know it was but um i recognize that actor um <laughs> i know him most from two things that you're not particularly a fan of he was sark. um he was a sark maybe perhaps yes he did a guest appearance on a Doctor Who a few years ago oh, wow. with Matt Smith and Jenna Coleman. And then he also was in Mary Poppins Returns. I think he was playing Admiral Boone or Boom was his name. The one in the wheelchair? Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. What's interesting is he looks old in this and and Tron in nineteen eighty two forties fifties maybe does he yeah he seemed older than that I think forties fifties um but anyway when he's looking at the screens and by the way they have very much that like Star Wars type like you have those underlings in the back just like like the Imperial um starter stories you know when it's like Darth Vader walks by and there's people on computer right like they have that kind of shit well when he's looking at one screen um the screen is literally uh Pac-Man <laughs> you can even see Pac-Man <laughs> in the side because it's like the it's like the the map of Pac-Man you know what I mean right and then you have the little green mm -hmm. the little yellow um mouth um and then the other one was when they're in the um what's it called? Uh the big old thing that they rode on. Um The Solar, solar sailor? sailor. There's one quick shot, blink and you'll miss it, Solar Sailor. Uh it's like shot from the top as the solar sailor is passing by and on the, the ground mm -hmm. it's a outline of uh Mickey's the the Mickey Mouse face. Oh. <laughs> with the, with the really? ears and it, yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> must that mouse insert himself into? Anything? Yes, he must. He owns. He wants his ownership of everything to be known. Ugh. Just imagine if that was a policy, <laughs> like every Disney movie, any Disney anything. Like imagine, like in Taika Waititi's next movie, there was a mandated. Imagine they went back and did a reshoot, or they just put in a, a Mickey Mouse ear cameo and, and jojo rabbit just for like because you know to put the stamp on it that would taika would have so much I'm fun with that surprised show, they that. haven't <laughs> done that yet like that every disney movie is mandated to have the tiny even like just some sort of mickey mouse cameo there has to be the the, the mickey mouse head outlined somewhere within the film um <laughs> i'm really surprised they've never done that shit um but what you just say was the funny thing about the legacy of uh, of this series is that every single time they come out with a new thing, 
it's on the cusp of something and then it and then nothing nothing materializes ever materializes yeah. it's like i was reading in that in in that wikipedia entry that um even though it was a moderate box office success disney still considered it a disappointment and of course they didn't pursue anything after mm-hmm. that so and i think at the time they even released a video game to go along with it like again disney was like okay this is going to be our, our our big thing um and then right. nothing so they're not nothing though right it just wasn't a huge breakout success like they wanted so they went mm-hmm. eh, back to the drawing board um which sucks <laughs> um and i can't imagine it would have fared much better if it was just entirely animated considering in those days the animation department was not great by the way um a lot of the film is animated and mm-hmm. not through a computer. Like, there is a lot of matte paintings within the film. Yeah. Um, There is computer. It's kind of like Jurassic Park. Because everyone always talks about how amazing the CG for the dinosaurs is. But there's also a, a lot of practical effects. Mm-hmm. But that's well, that's what everyone talks about. How awesome the CG. When, it, when in reality, there's only really a few shots of CG of dinosaurs and that's Mm -hmm. sort of the same with um tron there's only really a few shots like the 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 light bike uh battle type thing um when they're flying in the recognizer and trying to escape right um oh there's also that one moment where um this is what i mean where like they play with the whole god thing um kevin flynn realizes that he can control shit within the grid because he's a user like he was able to like basically just touch the recognizer and like turn it on and like keep it together and and again you would think like oh shit like there's gonna be more to this no (laughs) but that was strange because that moment was set up to be much more of uh of it was set up to be something that you would think would be made more of later on in the movie because in that sequence, Rom or, or Ram dies. Mm-hmm. And when he dies, he kind of looks at Flynn like a god of some sorts and because he's able to do all of these things. And, and, and it does come into play in the context of there was a chase sequence, I think, in the Solar Sailor where he does use... I guess whatever abilities as a user he has in the oh, world. Oh yeah, and he like moves the solar sailor, the uh-huh. beam thing. Yeah, but that's kind of it. Yeah, but I but I guess it's like <laughs> you sort of pull out, and then you remember like it's this grand adventure, and people are dying, and da 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 da. And he kind of just wants credit for the video games he made, like he's doing all of this just to get credit. <laughs> Like, hey, I'm the one who made the video game, not you. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's funny. But for the most part, it does have an overall light, goofy tone. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, I think is very unique to this specific Tron, and I like... Um, just, just a few, I, I think I have some notes, just, uh, and sealer shit. Um, 
Um, oh, the light suits. Did you see how they made the light suits? Uh, no, no. Um, although that brings up an interesting question. Like, how do you think that that they, in terms of the final piece, um, one of the things that, and again, you could, you could say it adds to the charm and everything and it does, but again, you're very much, it, it's a, I, I think I, I saw a feature of how it looks like in the final form that like they really had to add a bunch of effects mm -hmm. or I don't know if I'm using the right word, but um, different layers of it were lit or they were, I don't know. You say how they were. Nothing was lit. Like if you saw like them filming, they were basically right. just wearing these like black and white. I meant in post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how they. They're basically just yeah. wearing like these black and white leotards and shit. Right, um, right. But what they did was like, they had to, there was like so many layers. I think like 12 layers for each frame. They, they, <sighs> and, and like each individual light had to, they had to go back and animate it. Um, but then they also like, they were talking about, I don't know, but like then to get the shadow, but then to make sure the outline of the face is right. And it's like so many different things where they had to get like so many different layers and do it and it would take forever like like to get it as good as it looked there it seemed like it was a nightmare um and it's the same when they're talking about like the com like the computer effects like i i had seen a video where they're like they had all these numbers in an order for like the light cycle to go from here to there they had to manually type in over six numbers for like a couple frames of of the animation and they had like a freaking floppy disks worth of storage and da 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 the retrospective that i saw today uh on youtube uh talked about uh or they they showed clips of the people who worked on those frames and how they talked about the process of doing it felt most similarly to the painstaking process of doing stop motion animation. It basically was just in a computer. Like every mm -hmm. little thing, like t -t 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 type in all the numbers, like fucking insane. Again, 1982. Well, it came out in 1982. They're probably working on it. 1980. Um, 1981. Um, yeah. Actually, I have it right here. Uh, the inspiration... Um, so Steven Lisberger has basically been thinking and working on this in 76. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So a few years before it was released. I'm looking at it right here. Mm -hmm. And again, like he, his, his initial idea was the world of Tron and then the hero Tron. Right. Um, and then they made Tron the movie, but it's very weird. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a uh, couple more things that I'm seeing here that I didn't mention before previously. In addition to not being in considered for visual effects of the year, the Academy did nominate it for two categories, which was best costume design and best sound. Mm -hmm. And then years and years later in 1997, Ken Perlin of the Mathematical Applications Group Incorporated won an Academy Award for a technical achievement for his invention of Perlin noise. For Tron. Hmm. 
What is that? I have no fucking what, clue. Is there a sound effect on the movie? Maybe. Hmm. I don't know. Fascinating. Yeah. Um. Just real quick, like uh, there are aspects of the world, like that you just get small glimpses of, and it's just like, wow, that's cool. Like they show um Flynn running through like sort of city or like alley at some point, and it's and again, it's like Star Wars. Where it's like these people that are programs, but they they have all this weird shit on them, and they look weird, but they're all lit up and stuff, and 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 it just gives me that similar vibe to Star Wars, where I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like, I I want to know, like, I want to know more about this world. What, what what's going on here? Now I know what this reminded me of the most. I was looking at um the Wikipedia page, and you know how it says there's also like I don't know why it says. There's a list of things where it says, see also, like things that may be in relation mm-hmm. to this or things that are similar to this. And like, I was thinking, where have I seen this before where real life people go into a video game and do something? Um, and from my background, I don't know if you've heard of this show called Code Lyoko. Code what? Code Lyoko. Code Lyoko. No. Yeah, that's an animated show I used I would used to watch years and years ago. I think it was on Cartoon Network. It was actually originally from France, but it was dubbed and brought over here on Cartoon Network um, in 2004. That's a throwback for me. Part I would watch that show uh, when it was on, and that was like oh, okay, because it, it would be on this list of like things that were related to it somehow. But yeah, it, it it's a uh, that was a cool show. I've never <laughs> heard of that Code Lyoko. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, let's uh, let me see. It, the series centers on a group of teenagers who travel to a virtual world of Lyoko to battle against a malignant artificial intelligence known as Xana, who threatens Earth with powers uh, to access real world, the real world, and cause trouble. No, that ring Never heard of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's basically Tron, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was like, huh. Interesting. Oh. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of shit that I, I don't think of often, but then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. That's Tron. It's interesting. It's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> it's weird. Um, and a lot of it is good. Overall, it is very uneven yeah but again i it, it has it has the big p potential <laughs> yeah um and i think a lot of that potential is realized in tron legacy and then even more so in tron uprising which those are the next two we're gonna get to um so we're doing legacy and then uprising yes because I am aware that the uprising, chronologically, anyways, uh, takes place in between. Chronologically, it is in fact a prequel to, to Legacy. Legacy, but it does. Having rewatched it, um, I think it's a lot easier to watch Legacy and then watch Uprising. 
because Legacy okay. does a good job of like these are the characters, this is the world, this has happened, and, and Uprising just kind of throws you into it. And I think if you go from Tron to watching Tron Uprising, it's like, whoa, wait, what's happening? What's going on? This, where, what, huh? Um, yeah, I think just watching Tron Legacy first provides a lot more context. And then also, I, I think, to me, quality-wise, it might be the best uprising. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather rise than fall. Okay. Well, if that's it, then we're going to go ahead and close it off right now. Um, and as promised, and as Peter just said, we'll have more to the table coming back for these next two episodes. And we're going to go ahead and try and get them up every Friday for you guys so <laughs> that's that we'll catch you back next time out to the table uh bye bye